Podcast, 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 podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. Any of you guys can jump in whenever you want to. You keep skipping around the song. I'm not going to sing the whole song. Why don't you guys support me? I am supporting you. Because I didn't know what part you were going to sing next. I didn't want to look more, all, like more of an idiot than I already do. Every part every part is interchangeable. They're all the same. It doesn't matter. Let's start again. Bye. 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 Hi, everybody. My name is Jackson McMurray. <laughs> and my name is Anna McGuire. And this is No Nerds Allowed Star Wars Phase 2. Just has like a little hook at the end. Right, that little coda. Yeah. And it just cuts out. It's good stuff. Okay, well, now, now yep. you've addressed it, so it's ruined. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. It's, it's really cool. It's another. This is our second episode in a row where we continue to sing after the theme music starts playing. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's okay though <laughs> because it's the best song ever written. Um, and it's even better when it's sung by three people in random order <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah. Simultaneously. All right. So this is a big episode for us. We've we've been spending about a year recording podcasts where we just talk about Star Wars too much when we're not supposed to. <laughs> so now we've finally reached a point where we can just talk about Star Wars and like on purpose. Jackson, any time that you're talking about Star Wars is a time when you're not supposed to be talking about Star Wars. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Star Wars is like Fight Club. You're it's not a, supposed to talk about You don't like it when I talk it's about a, Star Wars? It's it's a clever joke. Um, that I don't want to have to explain because I have no explanation for it. <laughs> okay. But it was really good. And I know. I know it was. <laughs> okay. Anna, do you want to introduce yourself? Plug your stuff if they don't know who you are? Hi, I'm Anna McGuire of Find Us Alive fame. That's the podcast that I make. Um, you can locate it on Twitter at Site107. It's a narrative sci-fi about people that are stuck in a pocket dimension yeah it's not that good though <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's really super bad and jackson plays the worst character <laughs> um so today <laughs> we did indeed watch star wow. wars episode one the phantom menace uh we did we did a poll on twitter where we asked if we should watch them in release order or in chronological order and unanimously three of you uh, decided yeah. that uh, and how many people do... responded to that whole poll, Jackson? Three. That's what I said. <laughs> Three right, of great. them cool. Cool, unanimously cool, cool, cool. decided we should do release order. Because people are just hungry for that prequels talk, I guess. Because we can talk about the prequels. <laughs> we can and will talk about we the prequels. We are. We're about to. <laughs> yeah, I that's what this podcast is about. A- Welcome. As a society, we've just been like, listen, the prequels are a hot mess, but we're going to talk about them as much as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's what they deserve. Yeah. So, okay. For better or worse. Here's George my... Lucas deserves to be shit on a little bit. Can I just say? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Metaphorically my... and literally. Someone shit on George Lucas. <laughs> my big take about Phantom Menace is this. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Uh-huh. No. It... Wait. Give me a second. Yeah. Just, just get ready. write it down. I mean, like, it's just something I actually want to say, though. It's just that this okay, isn't one okay, of my joke. This isn't one of my joke takes that's going to be funny. It's just something I actually want to say. Um, I don't think, like, this movie, in terms of the story they're telling, just doesn't need to exist at all. Right? Oh, definitely. It really does not. Like, and I don't even necessarily mean don't make the prequels. I mean, like, even if you're telling this story, even if you're telling the prequels, none of the information, none of the world that you posit in this first episode is relevant or necessary to the story that goes forward. Like, if we started... Honestly, we could have even just started at Revenge of the Sith, right? I feel like these movies, (laughs) like, are giving you a lot of information that's just not important to the broader idea of this this prequel story. What? I'd like to to stop you for one moment because (laughs) I think you're, you're, you're positing that we that we leave out of the Star Wars universe the fact that Anakin hates sand. Right. Which is, that's well, true. he could still he say, he could say that he plot. hates sand in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, but he doesn't, though. But he could, okay, but it would be different. It would be different if it were that Okay, way. we're talking about an alternate universe where... <laughs> an alternate universe where the only prequel is the third one. Yeah, and they're all kind of and when together. And when Obi-Wan cuts off his legs, <laughs> <laughs> he gets sand in the stump. In the stump. And he goes, he goes oh, uh, oh, I God, hate you. Sam. I hate you. And Sam. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> I hate you. Obi- almost as much Obi- as I hate Sam. Or Obi-Wan's like, you hate me? And he's like, no. I hate Sam. I was talking to the sand in my stump. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's an added level of this to me because I'm in the same building as Jackson. So I can hear him yelling through my headphones, but also yelling through the wall right next to me. <laughs> so, Anna. Yes. Miss McGuire, how do you feel about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? I... I'm going to be, I'm going to level with you for a second. Oh, God. I don't think this movie is as bad as people say it is. Yeah. For for me personally, right. the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah, I it's, this it's, And make no mistake, there are a lot of cons, yeah. but. <laughs> don't get me wrong, please. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not bad. It's in no way good. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I yeah. feel like this movie gets an unnecessarily bad rap because, like. They make know, a lot especially... of weird decisions, just like as a whole film, they make a lot of weird decisions. Right. And the yes, one I would do. like to start with of asking, why did you do this, is why is Anakin seven years old? <laughs> I I don't understand why he's so baby, so baby. He does not need okay, to be so as... baby. That that actor, that child actor is terrible, uh-huh. but also he's honestly very cute. Okay, I want to mount a defense I think he's adorable. Him. Okay, hold on. I have a take about him, though, because he sucks most of the time, but he is really great at selling the pod racing scene, like, genuinely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think his performance in that scene is almost enough to make up for, 
the whole rest of the movie. Anytime when he, he blows. says any line of dialogue, yeah. the whole entire film. But like the sequence yeah. where like his pod racers coming apart and he's like twiddling all those dials and like moving stuff around and like it feels really good to watch and he sells it so completely and like commits to it so totally that like yeah. it it's it's a nonsense realistically what they're showing you. It's just a guy twiddling a bunch of random objects, but like. His performance is good purposeful. enough that he that he sells it. Yeah, he's purposeful. I think yeah. that is a really important element of this performance and a really important scene. That's what I that's what yeah. I'll say in defense of that kid. We we can we can get to the pod racing scene. Yeah. I'm sure right. I'm sure we all have. Okay, okay. So before we dive into the movie, I have a segment I want to be doing on these Star Wars episodes, which is Jackson does as much of a obscure canon deep dive as he can. Oh god. Between between the movies. Now You're the, doing you're doing an unraveled about the, the Star Wars deep lore. Yeah, not really, just a little bit. The um because there's not a lot of content that takes place before episode one. Um no. at least in the in the modern Disney canon. Um there is okay, there are a couple of books that's like an origin story for Count Dooku and like a story about Qui Gon Jinn, I think. That, like, I don't care about Star Wars novels. I will never read a Star Wars novel for this podcast. Um, which is not to talk down on it. I just, Cut I want to look Cut to Jackson reading a Star Wars novel. Yeah, I just, I want to be able to look at the Star Wars. If I can't look at the Star Wars, it's hard for me to care that much about it. Um, but the things that I did read, there's a one-off comic book about Qui-Gon Jinn that's not that cool. It's just like, oh, I'm Qui-Gon Jinn. I... I'm on a mission. There's a war on some other planet. I'm going to try to figure it out. And then he kind of figures it out with diplomacy. And you're like, that's cool, I guess. That was a good 15 minutes of my life. I spent reading that one comic book with no point. Um, but there is also a Darth Maul comic book series that is actually pretty good. So it, it basically, it sort of just fleshes out his character that it's talking about him and Palpatine and their like relationship where Palpatine is constantly telling Bart, uh, Darth Maul, Barth Maul, <laughs> Bart Simpson, <laughs> Barth Simpson, that, um, they both got spiky heads. That might be something. Um, <laughs> somebody yeah. write but that he's, down. He's constantly telling Darth Maul, like, yo, we're the safe that we're going to start doing evil shit soon enough. But right now we're a secret. And I know you want to kill a whole bunch of Jedi so bad but you can't yet. You gotta lay low. And the story is about Darth Maul being like, "I want to kill a Jedi so fucking bad that he like." And Palpatine just has to like pull his backpack leash a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but the story is him like going underneath or going behind Palpatine's back and like tracking down this like young Padawan who's like stranded on some planet and like tracking them down and killing them and being like, "Oh." Finally, I got that out of my system. I killed a Jedi. I'll be good for a minute until we get out of hiding. Um, but then at the end, Palpatine is like, I knew all along. I knew you were doing it, and I let you. And he's like, oh, wow. Anyway, pretty good. Why, Why though? <laughs> he's, he's addicted to Jedi murder. <laughs> pretty much. It almost, it weirdly... So much that he needs twice the lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it genuinely, like, the way it's written, it really reads like almost like an allegory for like teen sexuality just having absolutely no outlet for this like primal desire you have and for some people with oh. sex and for Darth Maul it's he wants to kill a Jedi so bad he and he like can't control himself yeah. wear protection when you kill a Jedi <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of it. Also get cut in half and also crabs. Oh, and there's also... <laughs> And there's also a story in the, like, mainline Star Wars comic book uh, that's just, like, Luke finding Obi-Wan's diary. And Obi-Wan's diary is like, oh, we, I'm going to tell a story that Yoda told me one time of when he went to a planet and solved some problems. But it's also kind of interesting because then when Luke goes to that planet, he learns that even though Yoda solved all their problems in that instant, after he left and never checked up with them again shit got really bad for them because of his actions much later that he never knew about, which is sort of thematically interesting considering that Yoda is basically a complete and total fuck up throughout the entirety of this franchise. Yes. No, this is very much a modern take. I think like I have, I've only heard it recently, but I think everybody on the planet agrees with it is that Yoda is the worst. He's the worst. (laughs) He does everything bad. He's mad at everyone. He always fucks up. Like he's just, he's just the worst. He's the worst. (laughs) I do really like the take on the Jedi, but, though. And it's also, it's also not Yoda's fault, because if you just look at Yoda in the original trilogy, he's just like, oh, I used to be a master, and now I'm a silly old man, but actually I'm very wise. And it's like, okay, that's fun. But then they had to, like, make him in charge of everything and just fuck up so badly so that Darth Vader <laughs> right. would happen. So every, like, additional piece of Star Wars law lore has just been yoda fucking up to the nth degree and it's just yoda (laughs) you fucking suck dog (laughs) i feel like that's something that we could get to a little bit more in detail once we get to our revenge of the sith episode yeah (laughs) where yoda has that great interaction with fucking chewbacca well he's where he's just like oh man i really screwed the pooch on this one didn't i (laughs) well all right see you chewbacca i'm gonna go live in a swamp Peace anyway, out. bye. <laughs> Peace out. Bye. Yeah. This turns out okay. I kind of ruined society. Whoopsie daisy. See you guys later. <laughs> um, okay, so that's it. That's been my Star Wars ancillary content corner. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I, super quick. I've I should look this... up. Oh, go ahead. Okay, great. <laughs> I've said this before. And I'll say it a million times, is that whenever I watched the original trilogy, I always felt like I was lacking complete context of what was going on. Like, they talk about the Senate and the Republic and stuff like that, but without giving me any context to, like, what that actually means or what that actually refers to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that adds to the story. If you have the story of good and evil, but good and evil are really basic concepts that don't really have anything behind them it's a little bit lacking so like when they say those things like oh i want to know like what what is the galactic empire like really in charge of like what's actually going on here like behind the scenes of just luke and leia and han solo like running around and doing things Mm -hmm. and so when the prequels are like we're gonna talk about like the politics of like the star wars universe because it's like interesting and it makes sense because it's a war movie and we got to talk about the politics of war Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh hell yeah like that's what i want i like want more information and then we and then we talk about trade routes for like two hours, and I just have no fucking clue what anyone is doing the whole movie. Yeah, is it just me, or did the politics in this movie make no sense, or am I just dumb? It makes no sense. Okay, look, it- look, look. I I 
I made a special care to really pay attention to see if I could figure that out because I have been, I've seen this movie about 800 (laughs) times since I was about five years old. I've seen this movie so many times and I have no fucking clue what's going on in the first like 20 minutes. It's like uncomprehensible. (laughs) It's just, it's such nonsense. So like, as best I can figure, the trade federation are sort of under the thumb of Palpatine who has this galaxy brain plan to engineer a war between these two factions that he is in charge of both of them secretly, right? So he's yeah. like, yo, Trade Federation, be super shady and do a bunch of whack shady shit with the economy in order to spark a war between you and the Republic. And it has to do with, like, taxes and trade routes and whatever. That's the... Right. I think that's as much as needs to be said, yeah? Is that, does yeah. that make sense? Is that fair? But they say much more than that. Without <laughs> right. saying anything. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and you just open... I also want to just make note that, like, the opening of this movie... Like, the whole first 20 minutes of this movie just blow. But especially, yeah. like, the very opening... Like, that's one of the first things you learn when you're, like, learning about storytelling. Is, like, make sure the first beat that you open your story with is, like, one of your best moments. Like, you have to mm-hmm. open with something exciting, otherwise no one will care. And this movie opens yeah. with, like... First of all, there's the crawl that says, like, oh, the Republic is being unfairly taxed and they're concerned about it. They're about to send people to go into negotiations with the Trade Federation. You're like, wow, okay, not interested. Okay, like, oh, oh my god. And then you open, and then you open on um, some anonymous pilots being like, can we land in your ship? And the ship is like, yes, you are okay to land. And they land in the ship, and then we cut to two guys we don't know inside, and they're like, hmm, we're about to go into negotiations with some people who are doing some weird tech stuff. And you're like, wow, cool movie. Why? <laughs> I love this yeah, Star cool. Wars What the movie. fuck is going on? And <laughs> it's just like... But then, and then what makes it worse? So you don't know what's going on. And then George Lucas just hits you over the head with the most racist aliens that I've ever seen. <laughs> I know! And like, like, yeah, honestly. Oh, man. God. There are, there like, are so many racist do, aliens in this I movie. I can't even do an impression aliens. of them because it's such a racist, like, yeah. Japanese stereotype. Like, I can't. so okay yeah like basically we're not given any reason to care about what's happening in the movie at any until (laughs) probably until like you get to the chase scene underwater and they start to actually have a personality you know yeah like they never give you any sense of pathos for Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan in the first like 20 minutes or so of this movie. No. They're just kind of bland and you're like following them around and there's not really a B plot and you're just following them. And you're like, who are these? I mean, you know who Obi-Wan is, but you're just like, why do I care about what they're doing right now? Like, why is this important? And you know, it's not, that was my big take is that none (laughs) of it is important, but like, there's just, there's nothing to care about in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah. It's, I would argue maybe the whole movie, actually. I don't, I don't care no. about any of these okay, motherfuckers. I care, I care about Padme's costumes very much. Right, yeah. Her costume is great. I, 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 I hate the way that Padme talks when she's being the queen. That monotonous, like, one-tone... <laughs> yeah. 
way that she talks makes it makes her sound like an idiot and I hate listening to her talk. She's like, the Trade Federation will not go through there, Senator. Just like every single line that she delivers is the queen and I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it. Padme, why? The Republic will not be seen consorting with the Trade Federation, Senator. It's, it's just, it's not good. Then, it's no, not you ex- have to open up your mouth more. <laughs> it's not the kind of, Federation. I don't know what kind of acting decision that was, or if <laughs> I, I choose to blame George Lucas, that he was like, you have to sound regal, which means don't emote about anything, even though you're talking about the slaughter of your people. Just don't emote any <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Just don't. Right. Um, and that's the... Um... Oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Oh, it's almost like the, like, Christian Bale Batman thing, where it's, like, when he's talking to somebody who knows that he's Batman, but he's still doing the Batman voice, and you're like, why are you doing the Batman voice? Like, (laughs) when Padme comes forward and reveals herself as actually being the queen, even though we didn't know she was the whole time, she suddenly adopts the Queen Amidala voice, and you're like, why? Why does it need to be this way? (laughs) It's, I... What I've decided that George Lucas's like whole like mindset when creating this film is that he doesn't care about what anybody's doing or saying or why they're doing anything or why they're saying anything. He just wants to do things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. care why we're in the underwater city. We just he just wants to be in the underwater city so <laughs> right. he can show us his racist aliens. And that's just all <laughs> he cares about. Like he wants he wants there to be a cool, like big monster that eats another big monster, so we have to go underwater. Why? Right. Uh because I want to and my name's George Lucas. Yeah. So yeah. uh Anna, I'll pose this question to you. If we had to rank um Watto Newt Gunray and Jar Jar Binks in order of racism, how would you rank them? Who's that second one? Uh, the guy from the beginning. The Japanese guy from the beginning. Oh. Oh my god. I mean, okay, the, what, what puts me over the edge is the fact that Jar Jar Binks, like, definitely says master, but, like, in his weird <laughs> racist accent, and no. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I, oh my god. Yeah. It's the worst thing in the god, world. God, why? Okay. Like, I... I can appreciate Jar Jar as, like, one of the characters that pioneered, like, modern CGI and mocap. But, like, why is he there? <laughs> right, it's, it's yeah. Like, question. why is he there? He doesn't and then they, he doesn't do fucking anything. And then they <laughs> proceed to try to erase his existence from the race, rest <laughs> of the films. So not only did you do a bad job, but now he just no longer exists. Right. He sucks so bad that you have to annihilate him. Okay, can I can I drop some information about uh, George Lucas for a minute here? Will you humor yes, me in absolutely that? Absolutely, you can. So, um, basically, him. his reputation throughout like the late '60s, early '70s, when he was coming up, was that he was like a really technical guy. Like he didn't have a very good eye for story or character or anything like that. But he loved the technical nuts and bolts of filmmaking, right? And his first movie that he makes, uh, it's got a weird title. Hold on. Did you know that George Lucas went to film school? I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. That well, blows no, because... my mind every time I hear that. So here's, here's... Okay, yeah, but have you met guys at film school, That's though? That's true. That's very right. true. Okay. So his first movie was called THX 1138. It's, like, this weird, like, 
so basically he's been like second unit directors and like production managers and stuff on all these movies and yeah. he's this great technical filmmaker right he has like a really good eye for like like i said like the nuts and bolts of things like technical he, stuff yeah uh-huh. yeah he makes his own movie thx 1138 it's like this weird almost non-literal like 1984 semi-adaption yeah. about this like dystopian sci-fi future that's just, like, so cold and weirdly plotless, but it's, like, gorgeous, right? Which, like, makes sense. Right. It's, like, perfectly executed, but just, like, weird and nebulous and never quite solidifies into anything. And then mm-hmm. all of his friends in the film industry are like, like, we know you're good at this. Like, we need <laughs> you to, like, really buckle down, maybe take a script from somebody else, and try to do something, like, more plot and character and, like just generally more populous, you know? Yeah. So so yeah. he takes that as a challenge and oh, he God. makes American Graffiti, which is this, you know, movie about like teenagers in the fifties hanging out and it becomes like this important part of the cultural tapestry and it's a good movie, everybody loves it. Um mm-hmm. and and then he moves on to do Star Wars. And at this point he's pretty much learned that he fucking hates directing and is bad at it. Um, by which I mean, like, directing actors, not necessarily, like, the yeah. the work part of directing. Um, but but I, I just, I feel like that all makes a lot of sense here. Because, like, he, he gets Star Wars, and he, Star Wars is sort of him marrying his THX 1138 side and his American Graffiti side. And, like, putting them together into one thing, and it becomes this phenomenal success. And right. then, but by then he's like, I'm out. And I mean, he's not out, but he's like, I don't want to direct these anymore. And he gets somebody else to like direct actors and do that job for the next two Star Wars movies. But when he comes back to do these prequels, he's just, he's working on his own. So all of his worst tendencies are just like, yeah. he loves, he loves these big things. He loves this intricate set design. He loves this like really mechanical, really like literal style of not literal but like yeah. i keep using the phrase nuts and bolts but it's apt like this nuts and bolts style of filmmaking and that is that works greatly to his advantage in sequences like the pod racing sequence which oh, is yeah. mm-hmm. like fucking incredible technical storytelling but when it comes to like building a story he just doesn't have the capacity to do a, a good job yeah. at that you know no, it's people yeah. say it all the time, but like the original Star Wars trilogy was like truly saved in editing. Like just the amount right. of stuff that they had to like piece together in order to make it coherent and good was like just so much effort on the editor's part. So that mm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know. And I just I feel like that now that I've like done some more research on George Lucas of like what his whole deal is, like the prequels just make so much more sense to me now than they ever have before. Um mm-hmm. So, okay, we're at the beginning. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan show up, and they're like, hey, uh, we're here to negotiate about the taxes or whatever. And they're like, uh, actually, we're going to kill you. <laughs> so then... Zero to 60. Right. So they're like, oh, they tried to kill us. Something's weird. So they're like, uh, let's... Oh, then they blow up our ship. So they're like, let's get down to the planet. And then they meet Jar Jar Binks and decide to hang out with Jar Jar Binks for like 20 minutes. Yep, 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 yep. Um... And I can't figure out why they do that, but... Like, yeah. But they do. <laughs> There's, like, this contrived reason that's like, oh, we need someone to help us, like, go through this gulch because cause you're an underwater guy. 
and, and then they just kind of like let him stay there indefinitely right yeah we Why? okay we have to get to the underwater place because we think that they have a ship and we need a ship to get off of the planet it's like okay right. we'll use Jar Jar Binks to get there and it's like great and we get there and all the, the people are like hey Jar Jar Binks fucking sucks we all hate him and everyone in the audience is like mood and then they're like they're talking to the king <laughs> They're talking to the king, and the king's like, okay, uh, whatever, you mind trick me into giving you a ship. Like, here's a ship, get out of here. But then Qui-Gon Jinn just, like, turns around, and he's like, also, I want Jar Jar to come with us. And I cannot fathom why. why. Like, <laughs> just, just why? No, stop, don't do it! Yes. Um. <laughs> like, just... Because they're like, oh, he's going to get punished because they don't tell us what he did. What did he do? No, he's not going to be punished. He's going to be punished. <laughs> God, God. But what so, did he do to get ev- evicted? He was clumsy. Oh, yeah, that's he right. like so fell That literally like, was the reason. Yeah, he like spilled him, food yeah. on the king or something, so they're going to kill him. Um, he, okay, I mean, look, the subtext is probably also that he's just really fucking annoying, right? Yeah, like, that everybody hates him. If he were an upstanding citizen and he spilled food on somebody, I'm sure they wouldn't have tried to kill him, but they were like, this is the opportunity, finally, <laughs> to get to rid of Jar Jar once to fucking leave. <laughs> um... God, okay. This guy's making all of us look bad. Can we right. please just kill him? But the thing about Jar Jar is that, like, there are some scenes in this movie where he kind of works, where he is funny. Yeah, definitely. Right? Like, the scene where they're underwater and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are just like, everything's fine, don't worry about it. And he's just like, ah! Like, freaking out like a reasonable person. And they're always just like, hey, no, it's chill. And Jar Jar is just like, it's not chill. Like that scene. There's a there's a fish the size of a mountain. (laughs) And like that scene really works. There's like a real comic dynamic there. Yeah. But like the rest of the time, when Jar Jar is just like, oh Misa, not feeling too good. Oh stepping doo doo, and you're just like, fuck. This is such nothing. And like, you're you're anticipating like, oh he's gonna. He's gonna chill out and have a character arc, and it's like, <laughs> no, no. He has like one line where he tells the army to shut up, and then like the rest of it, he's just exactly the same. The, right. the weirdest thing about Jar Jar is that sometimes they like, they, he's there for comic relief, but then sometimes they don't even do that, and he's just on screen for no reason. Like, what's <laughs> that bit where they're building the pod racer? And he, like, fucks up, and he drops something, and he falls into the thing, and, like, it numbs his tongue, so, like, he can't talk, and then he gets his hand stuck in the thing, and you're like, oh, something comedic is gonna happen to all these things, building up to something. But then Padme just... just walks over and takes his hand out of it, and then he walks off screen. And, like, you just made us look at that <laughs> for, like, three whole minutes for nothing. Yeah. There wasn't even a bad joke. He didn't even step in doo-doo. Literally nothing <laughs> happened. You forgot to tell the joke. Yeah. <laughs> you for, you forgot the joke, you, yeah. You yeah. forgot the doo-doo. And that's the weird thing, is that, like, the original Star Wars movies don't have a lot of, like, explicit comic relief, right? No. Like, they're fun movies, and there are lines that are, like, clever or witty, but there's never, like, any broad characters that are meant to be, like, a comic relief character, quote-unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you count, like, Yoda, maybe. Um, maybe. But he even he, like, comes back with, like, character development. Yeah. Luke is his own comic relief. <laughs> right, I'm gonna yeah. go to the and get the power converters! <laughs> But um, I'm gonna point a point a lightsaber directly at my eye socket. 
<laughs> but um, but I think it's weird that George Lucas decided to include this character in it, and there's all these videos behind the scenes of George Lucas being like, oh, yes, Jar Jar Binks, he's the key to all of this. Jar Jar Binks is my greatest creation. And you're like, okay, sure, really? fine. He doesn't yeah. burn the movie. The movie doesn't even like Jar Jar Binks because they don't use him for anything. Right. Like, the, if you're like, this is my favorite character, I really like this funny guy that I've made, I'm gonna, like, <laughs> right. I'm gonna, like, make him vital to the plot, I, I would, I would accept that. He's like, he's funny, but then he does something. But that doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything! Right. And, but I was gonna say is that, like, he didn't, he never, like, wrote jokes into Star Wars. I can only yeah. assume because that's just not his natural proclivity, you know? And for yeah. some reason he decided this movie needed more jokes, or I don't know, maybe somebody told him that it needed more jokes. But, like, he is so colossally bad at writing jokes. Like, everything that seems like it's a joke just is completely missing a punchline. It's yeah. like, uh, animal poops and Jar Jar looks at it and says, P.U., and you're like, that was yeah. it? That was the whole joke? Like, that is, like, the first half of a joke. Something yeah. or, something or, funny or has to happen he, after that. Or Jar Jar Binks is walking down the street, sees a stall with food on it, just fucking eats the food like an animal, <laughs> and then he gets accused of stealing, so he spits out the food, and it hits the guy in the head, and then the guy tries to kill him, but then a seven-year-old shows up and tells the grown man that he's gonna beat his butt in a race, and that's... <laughs> And that's the whole, that's the whole scene. Right. I also, I also just made note at the beginning of, for a lot of this movie, there's like very little parallel action. Like we're mostly just hanging out with Qui-Gon like kind of the whole time. <laughs> and they'll cut back to like Obi-Wan on the ship making a phone call or like God, just Obi-Wan this whole movie is just <laughs> calling Qui-Gon and right. being like, I don't know if this is going to work, Qui-Gon. What if it goes bad? And <laughs> right. that's just Obi-Wan the whole movie. Right. And you're like, wow, I really wanted to watch Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon, my braid is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to watch Obi-Wan do something in this movie, right. but I guess he's just not going to. Okay. So, okay. We've been shitting on this movie pretty hard so far. Yes. Because it deserves it. Because it but deserves I, it. I think that once we get to Tatooine sort of the clouds part and we're like okay okay we're in a real movie now like yeah yeah once we get to tatooine still, still, it's like still not a good movie but a movie and that's right. saying something it's like when we get to tatooine we know exactly where we are we know exactly what people are trying to do and there are clear stakes right there's an attack happening somewhere else and we need to get back there to try to fix it our ship is broken down we need to figure out how to fix our ship and get to where we're trying to go and that is a perfectly clear, perfectly simple set of circumstances that could have... I mean, like I said, we could have maybe even just started there. Yeah, like, that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Like, I don't know. And the first part of this movie, like, the stakes are so weirdly... I mean, there aren't really any stakes. We don't have any investment in anything. No, we don't. And it takes you so long to, like, get to a point where you care about anything. It's like Star Wars vomit. Like, if you just put to put a whole bunch of Star Wars elements into a jar and then shook it and then, like, poured it out on a table, that's the first right. 20 minutes of this that's movie. That's, like, yeah. really accurate. <laughs> um, but, um, okay, but, but. But. 
the fish sequence does rule. That those fish are the cool. fish sequence is cool. When the yeah. big um, fish comes and eats I like the, the other one fish. where it looks like a fish, but then it like actually just has arms and like walks like a person. Yeah, it's like no, a it, Godzilla it thing. It's another one of those things. that's like this is what George Lucas is good at. Like this yeah. rips and is really cool and fun to watch. And this is like this is like him working at his it is peak physical form. Um, I also wrote down that I really like it when they slice up battle droids. And you can see, like, yeah. the weird cross-sections of their bodies as they, like, fall apart. That's super cool. I'm into that. I like that. I I have an attachment to battle droids because we had a we had a Phantom Menace, like, big Lego set when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So I see those and I just automatically think of, like, the way that their little heads, like, popped onto their bodies. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so into this movie as a kid. It was the only one that we had on VHS. Um, Me too. So for a little while, this was the only Star Wars I had direct access to. I remember I had a birthday party one year where I just had a whole bunch of friends over and we just watched Phantom Menace. (laughs) Um, I don't know if any of the other kids... I mean, I was young. I was probably like eight or nine. I don't know if the other kids at that party were cognizant enough to be like, this movie kind of (laughs) blows or not. If they were just humoring me. Oh, definitely not. Kidding me? I don't know. Yeah, I loved I loved this movie when right. I was a kid. And it's just like it's so weird. It's weird to imagine try to imagine why we were so into it, you know? Yeah. Because well, so much of it it's is Star Wars. I mean it is like, it's Star that's Wars. That's just the whole reason. But like so much of it is boring nonsense that it's like well, I can't even Star make Wars. myself carry about now. It's Star Wars and also there's a little kid in it and you're a little kid, so you're like, Oh, I can I can <laughs> be Star me. Wars. I could grow up to oh my God. be Space I think- Hitler. <laughs> I think part of it, part of it is like you watch the scenes where they're like, something, something, Senate, Trade Federation. And you're like, yes, I know what they're talking about. Right. I am a big kid and I right. understand. That's I true. just want to watch the pod racing scene on repeat. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. There was something that felt kind of grown up about Star Wars while I was watching it. Um, yeah. And then you grow up and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right, This yeah. is for dumb babies. This is, this is nonsense. <laughs> um, okay, I also want to say that uh, I think Sebulba might just be, like, my favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> like, Actually, though. His design is so cool. Sebulba's <laughs> got a cool design. And he's just, like, this rough him. and tumble. You, you don't like Sebulba? I don't like looking at him. <laughs> He's, he's like he like walks with his arms and he grabs things with his feet. I That's cool. Yeah, That's I don't cool. like something about the way his like skin and like tendons are animated. He just looks like he's like a squid mixed with a chicken skeleton, and I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's cool about him. And I, that's like what this, I don't yeah, like about him. He's pretty it. cool. I like Sabola. He's like this scummy shit lord from this but he's had he's got a feud with a literal seven-year-old so i have I no respect for him okay imagine gonna, if you were I'm the best hockey player baby imagine if you were the best hockey player in the world adeline you yeah. were known the world renowned for your hockey playing and then suddenly a six-year-old kid shows up and fucking wipes the floor with your ass at hockey you think a hockey Except player more- wouldn't punch a six-year-old in the face? <laughs> right. It's it's less hockey and more NASCAR. You think That's- a NASCAR driver <laughs> wouldn't punch a six-year-old in the face? Well, of course not. They just run him over. And yeah, Sebulba what- doesn't do that. Oh, so you're saying that to. you're saying that Sebulba should just beat the shit out of Anakin? Yes, that's what I'm saying. With his weird little feet arms. Yes. <laughs> 
when it's that scene when he's beating up Jar Jar Binks and Anakin comes over and he's like, uh, hey, I'll stop this fight. What's up? You're stinky, Sebulba. Why doesn't Sebulba just grab his head and shove it into the dirt? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> Here's what I do. If I were writing it, I would be like, oh, stay, we'll settle it on the tracks, Limo. And then Sebulba like comes to attack him, but then Qui-Gon intervenes and like cuts off his leg or something. And that way, there's, like, more personal stakes when we get into the pod racing scene. Because Sebulba has, like, extra vendetta against Anakin and his squad going into that race. Yeah. That's my punch out. I would also like to point out um, that no one on the entire planet of the Earth ever gets to call Rey a Mary Sue when Anakin was a literal Jesus birth (laughs) and, like, flew a plane when he was six with no experience. I've said this since the beginning of time. Do you know what would have been 10 billion times more interesting than Anakin being Jesus? Literally anybody in the entire fucking galaxy being his father. That would be more interesting (laughs) than him being fucking Star Wars Jesus. When I was a kid, I thought that's what it was. Like, I thought, like, when she was like, Like there was no father. I was like, oh, like, he left them when, like, before he was born. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she, like, raised him by herself. That's what I thought that meant. And now I'm, like, watching it and I'm like, oh, no. It means, like, there literally was not. And then they go to the Jedi Council and Qui-Gon's like, I think the Force conceived this child. And these two, like, women Jedi just, like, look at each other. And I'm like, (laughs) me too, ladies. Please make him stop talking. Yes, queen. Yes, Yes, queen. (laughs) Please assassinate him. Oh, my God. That's so the the Force conceived this. Oh my God! And just the stop, two just women stop. are just like, oh my fucking God! <laughs> that's not that's not as cool as you yeah. think it is. Uh, Especially so, because okay. you're drawing a weird connection between space Jesus and space Hitler, and I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. If I'm gonna be honest, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack. It's with, rough. Like... It's rough. <laughs> but... And I don't know, like, I mean, like you said, I feel like just anything just would be more anybody. interesting. If, if you can a... just make it, you could make it like, oh, Yoda's my dad. And it's like, that's yeah. kind of something. Or you could be like, oh, it's just a nobody. And then you could like introduce him as a character later and yeah. have him sort of a purpose Man, later. Man, you know that what would have be been 10 billion times more interesting than Rey being Palpata- Palpatine's <laughs> daughter? If she was just literally anybody else in the universe's daughter? Why does Star <laughs> yeah. Wars do this? It's why? Fine. Why did... Why did nine-year-old Anakin build C-3PO? Yeah, okay, so that, that is something else. Because everything else in this movie, up to this point, a lot of it is bad, but none of it is completely irrational, right? You're yeah. like, oh, this didn't turn out well, and this was just sort of a, a, a wrong-headed story conceit. It's boring. But, like, having Anakin build C-3PO is literally the most baffling, inarticulate story decision I could possibly yeah. imagine. It, it's I like, you, down, you can't retcon an entire character. Yeah, it doesn't like, make yeah. any sense. First of all, why is he, like, a regular run-of-the-mill protocol droid if he's, like, a homebrew, a kid built in his basement? Yeah. Why yeah. doesn't Anakin remember him later or interact with him at all? Why and, don't I get a fucking emotional scene between <laughs> right. Darth Vader and C-3PO? I want it, and I never get it. And most importantly, 
Like, what does this make better? This doesn't, in, there's nothing is enriched by no. the idea that Anakin built C-3PO. It's pointless. It's literally the same as Yoda and Chewbacca being friends. Like, it does nothing. Like, you didn't right. even need to say this. It doesn't do anything. But Yoda and it's and also Ch- very weird and raises a lot of, like, questions that there isn't an answer to. Right. But Yoda and Chewbacca being friends makes sense still. Like, At it's least, pointless, yeah. but it, like, it tracks, I guess. Yeah. But, like, C-3PO being built by Anakin just doesn't make sense. Like, and it's so weird that George Lucas is so anal about, like, fixing the original movies to line up with his vision that was extended in the prequels, you know? Yeah. Like, adding Hayden Christensen's ghost into Return of the Jedi and, like, that making g- that sure... That bitch doesn't deserve a ghost because he <laughs> murdered a room full of children. He doesn't deserve a ghost. That's the point. It's not what I'm talking about. The... But, like, he's so anal about making everything fit exactly the way it should be, like, even retroactively. But for some reason, the fact that Anakin built C-3PO is just still there and still doesn't make any goddamn sense. They should shoot a new scene. I would prefer that, frankly. (laughs) This should be seen where where, um, Darth Vader is, like, walking down the hall and, like, sees C-3PO and is like, hey. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, that's that's it. And that's it. No, okay, so here's what I would have done. It's, it, Anakin didn't build C-3PO. They, their family needs a robot for some reason. Maybe Anakin's mother is, like, sick, and that would be another reason why he doesn't want to leave her. Like, Anakin's right. mother needs help for some reason. They need a droid to do it. But they're super poor and they're slaves, so the only robot that they can afford is this shitty, like, no-coverings robot that doesn't even do the job that they needed to do, but they just needed <laughs> right. to do this. Like, it's it's supposed to, like, talk to people, and they're like, we need you to, like, cook and help my mom around. Like, that's what I right. would have done. And that would have been I fucking mean, interesting. Or- or even something like, hey, slave, fix this broken robot so I can sell it again. Yeah. Right. Like his like, project. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, uh, it, uh, why did he build C-3PO? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and another another piece of punch up, Adeline and I were talking about this while we were watching the movie. Um, <clears throat> nothing, like, obviously it's creepy that Anakin is like seven and Padme is like 15 in this movie. Like, that is well-worn territory. I don't feel like we even need to, like, bring it up that much. But, like, narratively, there's no reason Anakin couldn't, like, also be 15 in this movie, right? Like, I feel like this might even be more interesting if he were just older, you know? Yeah. And it would... I mean, a lot of things would make more sense. Yeah, and we would probably get a more charismatic actor... And it would make more sense that the Jedi are like, he's too old, we can't trade him. If you were, like, yeah. a teenager, it's like, oh, he's practically an adult. Like, he can't start learning Jedi stuff now. Yeah, because you know? Yoda is like, he's too old, he can't be a Jedi. And it's like, wait, how young do you have to be? And they're like, oh, I'm like five years old. How old is he? Ah, oh, like six. He can't, he, he's too old. And it's like, this right. is stupid, Yoda. It's like, damn, Yoda started me young. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I said Sebulba's my favorite Star Wars character. Even though he is very racist, I think Watto is my second favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> oh, Watto is so racist. Watto's great. <laughs> He's just like, ah, Jedi mind tricks don't work on me, only money. He's the best. I love Watto. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave this up to fate. I have a chance cube in my pocket. <laughs> And Not like, fucking I... dice. No, no, no. This is Star Wars, so we have to have fucking chance cubes. 
and not like I don't know a coin <laughs> or like <laughs> right, any yeah. any anything else that already exists in the world. No, I got a chance cube. See, I think part of this whole movie is that like Qui Gon is basically like swindling Watto out of like all of his stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> like, and it's I think hilarious. because Which he rules, shows up, yeah. he shows up in Attack of the Clones at some point, and he's just doing his thing. He's like still a shop owner or whatever. I think it would be hilarious if he shows up in Attack of the Clones and he's just like destitute. He's like living in a cardboard <laughs> box, <laughs> and he's just like ah. I will work for I will work for food. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Anakin's like, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Watto. <laughs> uh, good flick. Um, <laughs> good imaginary flick that I made up. Yeah. <laughs> to make a short film, I... it's just Watto being in poverty. <laughs> yeah. um, so, what? Another thing that irks me, and it's maybe just because I've watched this movie ten billion times. They pulled the gag where Padme's like, the queen wouldn't like this. And then someone goes, oh, but the queen's not here. And then Padme goes, ah, ah. And it's like, oh, God. Like, listen, I know you're the queen and we've made this gag like four separate times. And it's honestly getting annoying. And I don't know if it's just because I know or everybody's supposed to know, but it's annoying and I hate it. I like it. They only do it like twice and I think it's cool both times. They do it like one time too many. (laughs) I actually, I actually do think it's kind of cool. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, two against like, one. Okay, doing voted. it once, I'm like, haha, that's funny. But they do it several more times, and I'm like, this is too many times. Like, Don't I get they do it. it two I times? get it. They do it twice. It's okay, it's this is it. Adeline, yeah. Adeline you're outvoted. You're outvoted. This is the gavel. I will turn off Discord, Jackson. <laughs> I will go into the other room and hit you. I have the ability. <laughs> um, I also okay. We talked about the chance cube bit. I just want to say also. Like, just that dramatic bit where he's like, I don't, oh, I don't know, I'll leave it up to chance, oh, maybe we'll see what fate has to say. And then Qui-Gon, like, rigs it. It's like, why, why even do that? Just have him say yes. Like, what, what's guess, the point of this bit? I guess we just want more Qui-Gon swindling him, I guess, to, like, really I guess that is kind of fun. Accentuate the fact. Uh, see, yeah. I stopped taking notes after this part, because we get to the pod race, and the pod race is the dopest thing on the planet. Yeah, we can all agree, the entire planet can agree, the pod race. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, like, maybe like, the best part of any Star Wars movie. Like, yeah, it's, it's like so just good. the sound it's design, so where every single one of the ships, like, sounds different. Yeah! The sound cool. design of that scene is burned into my brain for the rest of my it's life. It's fucking incredible. Um, and, like, just the, like, the the setup of it. Like, all the aliens are great. Every pod racer, like, looks different and works yeah. differently. And they're, like, all recognizable. The, like, commentators are fun. Like, every part of it is just, like, so, like, chef's kiss perfect. It's like, why can't the whole movie be like this, you know? Yeah, who made this part? Can they make all of it? <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, George Lucas made this part. Like, this is yeah. the shit he's good at. And then I also wanted to point out there's that one little shot where there's that super pale lady with the ponytail and the nail in her skull who, like, yeah, looks at her. the pod races for a sec. <clears throat> um, she, for whatever reason, like, spun out to be this, like, major character of the expanded universe. Her name's Aura Singh, and she's just, like, she's a bounty hunter. I love her. Yeah, she just shows up all the time. She's just, like, one of that, like, bank of characters that's just, like, these are bounty hunters. They show up every once in a while. She teams up with, like, you know, IG-88 and 
Dengar and Cad Bane and all those guys, and you know. The rest of I don't around. know who any of those people are, but I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> um, the um, and I also I also want to point out that like the the majority of that pod racing scene, the score does kick in at the end, but there's no music underneath it. Like it totally mm-hmm. just acts like purely on its own merit for the majority of the sequence. And it like it doesn't need to be like punched up or like enhanced by the awesome John Williams score. Like even without it, it still is like this incredible, striking, like imaginative scene, you know? Yeah. And like the stakes are so clear and the suspense is like genuinely earned because you understand what's gonna happen if he loses the race. And like the geography of the whole thing is so clear, and you know exactly mm-hmm. where everything is at all times. Well, and just how dangerous it is. Like even yeah. just like the act of racing is like we see like four people die in that sequence. Right, and they you know they set it up well before. It's like he's never even finished a race. Like this shit's crazy. Like people don't finish it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all those bits where they're like dealing with the like weird little crunchy mechanics of the pod racers, like how Anakin's constantly, like, having to fix shit on his pod racer when his, like, tether comes untethered and he's, like, flipping yeah. around and he pulls out his magnet. He's got that and... big magnet thing. Yeah. yeah. It just rips. It's, like, it's like genuinely, I think, it's... one of the most impressive pieces of filmmaking ever put on it's, screen. It's so cool that, like, I, I love that scene in particular where he has, like, the rod with the huge magnet on it. Right. Because it's, like, oh, he, like, planned for this scenario to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I brought this up too, but like the kid who plays Anakin like sells this scene really well. Um, and like, I, I also just remember I played the Star Wars pod racer game for the Nintendo 64. Oh my gosh, so like, much. all the time as a kid. But I just remember, cause there's that bit in when he goes up the like maintenance ramp and jumps over somebody where like they make sort of a, a bit of business about him like cutting the engines while he's in the air and then, like, gunning it, like, going full throttle halfway through so he, like, speeds ahead of somebody, which is cool. But I remember they, like, made a big mechanic out of that in that game without ever telling you. Because, yeah. like, there would be levels where you would have to, like, go over a jump. And if you just held down the gas the whole time, you would die. But if you let it go halfway and then gunned it halfway through, you would, like, make the jump and clear it. I mean, I think that's pretty dope. That's yeah, but cool they game like design. it is cool game design, but they never told you to do that. That's true. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you just have to figure it out. I don't know. It's just a weird piece of game design that I think is really interesting. I just wanted to bring up that pod racer game because that's a yeah. big part of my childhood. Well, that scene is so well developed that that game like is just able to just like take it and just like do it like 12 more times because like every single one of the racers is like already fully developed and made and we get a little (laughs) snippet of their personality in that scene so it's like there's nothing there's no work that they had to do to like make (laughs) the characters in that video game right did you ever play that video game anna nah we only we we didn't get a console until the gamecube oh really see our, our parents played video games before we were born um i mean they weren't like hardcore gamers but our family has had the super nintendo since before we were born right mm-hmm. yeah so like i've we've always had like mech warrior and super mario world in our house i'm trying to I, remember my mother was not a terribly big fan of video games right so we did not have many for a long time yeah <laughs> our dad is not big into video games 
the only kind of video games he ever plays are either like World War II fighter pilot games or games that are mission based where you are in a mech suit. Those are yeah. the only <laughs> genres of games that he cares about. <laughs> anyway, there's that sequence in this movie where Anakin is just like, oh, I'm free. I'm packing up my stuff. I'm going to go home. And he's just like, sorry, C-3PO, you suck ass. I'm not taking you with me. See ya. And you're like, okay, why is C-3PO even here then? Like, what? what's yeah, the point does, of this? Do we see C-3PO for the rest of the movie? No, we don't. He doesn't do anything. When does, when does C-3PO come back and how? I know he's in Attack of the Clones. Because yeah, he has all those antics too. in the droid factory where he's like, oh, yeah. droids making droids. How queer. And you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> and, and then R2-D2 flies somewhere and shoots a man or something. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. R2-D2 does too much stuff in new Star Wars. Like, yeah. R2-D2 shouldn't do anything besides, like, roll around and put his weird appendage in walls and stop the trash compactor or whatever. Yeah, he's literally the robot equivalent of autopilot, but then, like, sometimes they, like, make him fly and give him a gun, and it's like, what <laughs> right. are we... You can't yeah. do that. <laughs> but yeah, and, like, now he has, like, a taser, and he can spray oil on people and set him on fire and fly, and he has, like, a whole fucking action fight sequence with two super battle droids in Revenge of the Sith, and I hate that. Like, I feel like R2-D2 should just roll around around and like just be helpful if he needs to be and be sassy to c-3po those are the only That's things it. he should do yeah yeah <laughs> and be there's a little sass robot and there's that weird shot where anakin's talking to c-3po and the camera weirdly like cuts to c-3po's <laughs> point to of terminator view Terminator vision yeah like terminator vision on anakin when he's talking to him and it's like, what's this supposed to convey? Why are you putting us in C-3PO's shoes? Because C-3PO's getting abandoned by his maker. What do you mean? <laughs> right, but it's like, it's not a filmmaking technique that has been used ever before in any of these movies. Like, it's not part of the cinematic language of Star Wars. And they just pull it out now for this one weird scene that is pointless. And it is so confusing to me. I I kind of I do wish it had like the little like Terminator like decals like in the corners <laughs> of the screen. I think that would be cool. It's like Anakin abandoning me? Question mark. Please no. Like just like really <laughs> pathetic Terminator vision. Yeah. Oh my god. Clean floor. <laughs> Grovel. Options. Beg. Cry. Speak in English accent. Clean. <laughs> British. <laughs> tell people the chances of survival only to yeah. be told don't never tell me the chances. <laughs> be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um and I also okay, so the politics get better in the second half of this movie, right? Yes. Like later on when Amadala is like oh, my people are being destroyed, we need to take action right now. And they're like, hmm, I don't know, we'll think about it. And she's like, no, fuck you, I'm going to impeach you as the main guy. And then you, like, start to figure out that Palpatine's going to become the new main guy, and you know that he's going to be the Emperor someday, so there's, like, this cool tension like, to oh, that. oh, the pieces. Yeah, and it, like, you feel it coming together, and there it feels like there are real stakes to the politics this time, you know, as opposed mm. to before when it was just gibberish. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And like, yeah. I don't know. Basically, the biggest thing is that there are absolutely no stakes in the first 20 minutes of this movie. And once we start to care about things and we start to like understand the consequences of actions, all the bad parts of it start to slowly become more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do got to say, because we talked about at the beginning of this film, we're just basically watching one story and mm-hmm. we're not really invested in that story and it's not very good. But then when we get to the ending of the movie, we have like four different plots all going right. on at the same time. And realistically, I only care about two of them. Right. So it, it weirdly flip flops in its whole style because at the end of the film... You have the Gungans who are holding off the droids in the war. You have Anakin being an asshole in the pilot. You have the lightsaber fight. And then you have Padme and her friends doing something. Running They're doing around, something. Shooting Running guns. around and shooting windows and using grappling hooks. Yeah. But, like, I just, it, it, it's so weird that they just pulled this total 180 from right. ineffective to a different kind of ineffective. Like, it's just, right. it's so weird. Um... I also think, okay, another big take I have about this is just that Anakin is, like, so sweet and pure and nice this entire movie. Like, he never says anything that's not just like, oh, you're so incredible, I wish I could be more like you, and how can I help everybody around me? I'm so selfless, and I just want what's best for everybody. And then Mm -hmm. they cut to the Jedi Council being like, no, he's dangerous, we can't take this kid in, horrible things will happen. Evil! (laughs) Evil! Like, it would be kind of cool, I would like it better if you were, like, kind of an angry, spiteful kid, and then Qui-Gon is like, I see something in this kid, and I know he's angry, and I know he is, like, at risk. He's an at-risk youth, and Qui-Gon is the one person who's like, I want to stand up for him. Like, I want to I wanna ma- be the change I want to see in the world for this one kid, you know? Well, maybe Anakin turns evil, because everybody around him is always pointing at him and screeching, evil! You will <laughs> right. kill us all! Just yeah. all the time. And eventually he's second. just like, okay. Fine. <laughs> right. Maybe um, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Also, one of those things, like, all the Expanded Universe stuff is always, like, oh, Qui-Gon Jinn, he was a maverick. He was known for being a rebel and sort of going against the Jedi. But you never really see him do anything that crazy besides, like, stand up for himself about Anakin. Yoda even says that to Obi-Wan after he dies, and Obi-Wan's like, I have to train Anakin because that's what Qui-Gon wanted, and I'm going to do what Qui-Gon wanted because he's dead, and you kind of you kind of have to let me do this. Right. And Yoda's like, I see your rebelliousness of Qui-Gon in you. You don't need that. And it's like, but Qui-Gon literally never disobeyed you this whole movie, this <laughs> right. whole film. He like, hasn't... he argued passionately against you one time, but then took the L when you still said no. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but he also argued with you in a setting where he is supposed to argue with right. you. Right, yeah. So I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> also, okay, apparently, one of the things I was I found when I was looking up stuff is apparently Qui-Gon Jinn was the first guy who figured out how to be a Force ghost. I don't know how that That's works. That's something you have to figure out? <laughs> yeah, I know. You have it's to like, figure that out? What does the Jedi afterlife look yeah, like Yeah, exactly. Like, was he uh, in heaven somewhere and he, in heaven, was honing his Jedi techniques still and just, to figure and out how to come back? And just decided to opt out and pop back in to say what's up? Or like, did he, what? like, figure it out while he was alive and then only do it. start doing it after he died? Like, what does that mean? How does <laughs> that work? What does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> George, why? <laughs> I'm, that's something I read 
like it was just like a one sentence thing on his Wikipedia. Like he was also the first Jedi to figure out how to be a Force ghost, and it's been like I can't stop thinking about it ever since. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the last thing I want to say before we get to just how dope the lightsaber fight is, yeah. is that um, the I like that this movie isn't super winking about the fact that you know what's going on a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the modern version of this movie, like, lately movies that are playing on something that they're counting on the audience knowing, they really like to ham it up and wink at you and, like, drop as many hints as possible. But this movie feels like it is genuinely just played really straight as a story, you know? Like, like obviously there are moments, like when Palpatine is getting elected to be the Grand Chancellor or whatever, where it's, like, it's counting on you knowing that to feel the full dramatic irony of it, but they're not, like, rubbing it in, like, how cool it is that they're doing that, and don't you get what we're doing here, wink, 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 you know? Sorry, Hello? Yeah, I know, I totally get that. Is this thing on? (laughs) Um, Hello? Okay, I'd like to open the floor for talking about how sick the lightsaber fight at the end is. It is. It rules. <laughs> <laughs> it rules. <laughs> um, I also love, there's that Polygon video where Pat Gill talks about, like, the architecture of Star Wars and, like, how integral bottomless pits are to the aesthetic yeah. <laughs> of Star Wars for some reason. Yeah, right. And then just, like, I think about it all the time now. And, like, I love the just, like, inexplicable laser walls in that sequence. Yeah, they're dope as hell. And they yeah. really add a really cool tension to that fight. Totally. And But I don't know why they're there, but they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're like, I don't know what these, I- what these are or what purpose these <laughs> are. What these is? You're turning I'm, into Jar Jar Jackson. Yeah. I still don't know what those is. <laughs> um, but, like, they're just totally, like, they totally work and you buy it in that moment. Yeah. You know, as being like, adjacent oh, to a like room with a, a bottomless pit in it. Yeah, know? it's like, oh, this is like a vent or like a timer thing. Like, you kind of justify it, but you also, like, know that you don't need to, because it's going right. to happen whether you justify it or not, so. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like, okay, I have, like, my big thing is, like, so the Sith always have, like, some gimmick with their lightsabers, right? They've either got, like, a double-sided lightsaber, or it's got, like, the hilt thing, or they've just got two lightsabers because they work that way, or, like, whatever it is. Because, sort of thematically, the whole idea is that they, like, yearn for just power at whatever cost. Mm -hmm. So it's also, like, a perversion of what the Jedi use as well. Right, it's, like, taking this idea and being, like, no, whatever, like... Two lightsabers is better than one. But, like, the Jedi have this idea of, like, doing things the right way and having a tradition. And, like, the Jedi uses a lightsaber, and they sh- that is what they do. Um, and, you know, like, Anakin only uses one lightsaber when he's Darth Vader because he, you know, only ever learned to use one lightsaber. And I don't have a good reason for why Palpatine does that, but whatever. Still. Um, <laughs> but, like, in the Clone Wars, at a certain point, Ahsoka Tano starts using two lightsabers and I don't yeah. like that. I feel like Jedi should always just have a lightsaber. That's what makes it cool that the Sith always have crazy upgrades on their lightsabers. Well, like, are they mm-hmm. are they trying to make you worried about her? That, like, she might also be going to the dark side, especially because she's Anakin's Padawan? Or are That's they true. not touching on that at all? They might be doing that. But I guess I just, I want it to be, like, a canonical thing. Like, Jedi are only yeah. supposed to use a lightsaber. 
Yeah, well, it might it might just be an unspoken rule, so it can be broken. Yeah, you know? could be. Um, but yeah, and like it's just this is just another. I've said this a bunch of times, but like this is what George Lucas is good at. And mm-hmm. like you know, you talked about how you don't necessarily have a lot of emotional stakes attached to each of these things he's cutting between, but each of them is really clear and really effectively storyboarded i guess and when yeah, you're like cutting they're each between doing them, exactly what they need to be doing yeah you're cutting between them really interestingly and each thing makes sense and is clear and you understand what's going on like on a technical Jackson, level tell me what padawan tell me what padawan is doing <laughs> right okay my point is, but that's like <laughs> context around the sequence itself though, yeah no i right? got you i got you i got you like the, visually it it makes sense yeah um and I just think that's super impressive because that's like a lot of different things to be cutting back and forth from really quickly and to have it all track and make sense and be engaging still, you know, especially when right. you've got something like that lightsaber fight, which is like one of the most high energy action sequences in a movie ever. And like it never feels like a drop off of energy when you're cutting between that and something else, you know, like you feel you feel the energy carry through into all these things, even though one of them is clearly like kind of the most insane. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did anybody else notice that the 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 lighting on like the big field that the Gungans were fighting in looked very weird? I mean, the entire sequence is animated, basically. Does it look so good? like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're fighting on like that one like pc background yeah no they're <laughs> fighting like the on a windows hill. 95 screensaver <laughs> like their their shadows are like the kind of the kind of harsh of like you know when it's like simultaneously cloudy and sunny at the same time yeah right yeah so it's like weirdly dim but there are still like crisp shadows on everything right. it looked like that it was very weird it's weird yeah bad. i mean it's kind of the same thing that people say about like Marvel movies, you know, like they always for their big action set pieces, they always just decide like, oh, we're basically just going to shoot this in a parking lot in Atlanta and like <laughs> put everything else around yeah. it, you know, like it's the same thing for this. It's just like we're going to pick a big open space that's boring and just count on <laughs> the things we put mm-hmm. inside of it to be the interesting part, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think, I do think the palace set is pretty cool. I was into that. that. Yeah. I can't imagine that was a set that they built. That has to be a building somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably. It it probably, probably. (laughs) Let me see. I'm going to Google Naboo set location. It's probably in like Dubai or something. Right. Um, Is Dubai the one that has that big, tall skyscraper? I Lots of cities so. have big, tall skyscrapers, Anna. The, the one that has, like, the rainforest in it? I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, great. Well, it's just... a country that's, that's name starts with a D. It's, it's <laughs> like, the world's richest comp- company, country. Co- yeah. Okay, well, first of all, Dubai is not a country. It's a city. Leave me alone. <laughs> Listen, I am dumb. Um, okay. And I live by that. When I, Google, I don't know things. When I Google Naboo set location, the only things that are coming up on my Google search are images that look kind of like Naboo, but they are literally 75 by 51 pixels big. <laughs> so I don't know why this is happening. Anyway, I don't know where it was filmed, and I guess I'll just never know. Cool, 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 cool. 
Um, okay, so I mean, we're kind of at the end. Uh, the song that plays at the end during the big ceremony rips. Yeah, it does. It's rad. And they're like, the Gungans and the topside Naboo people get along now. We're friends. And they have this glowing ball. That we're going to give you. I kind of like the glowing ball. have to do a new hope again. Right. I kind of like the glowing ball, though, because, like, it doesn't, it's just, like, a cool thing that doesn't need to be explained, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's probably some kind of ceremonial thing That's for the Gungans. Like, something. I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I did think is weird is that when Qui-Gon dies, they burn his body. And I don't know a lot about ceremonial, like, deaths, especially not in Star Wars. But at the end of Star Wars, when they killed Darth Vader and they burn his body, it seemed appropriate because it was, like, a death of a tyrant and people were, like, celebrating his death. And the only people who were really in mourning was, like, Luke and Leia because they saw the good in him and it was their father. So they're, like, the only ones mourning. So this kind of, like, public blaze, like, kind of makes sense. But when it's just Qui-Gon, it seems kind of brutal to just force everybody to watch his body burn to away. Watch, to watch their loved one get, like, I mean, that would be horrifying pretty? after yeah. a couple of minutes. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I don't know, maybe that's part of it, though, you know? But Anakin learn, Seven. Learn yeah, <laughs> I want I want to watch I want to watch the flesh of my loved one melt off their skull. Right. Yeah, but it's like they're a military organization, but they're also very spiritual. You know, ashes. Well, to but ashes. even with even with Viking funerals, they put the body away a little bit <laughs> in a, in a bef- boat, bef- and they push it out into the water, and right. then they light it on fire so that you you know, but you don't have to see it. <laughs> they're just in an enclosed room yeah, that's watching right. Qui Gon burst into flames With no windows and it's just it's kind of brutal and i don't it, it, it and you it, have to imagine that smell yeah it just it just <laughs> yeah, seemed, it seemed weird it, it it didn't fit yeah that never really i never really thought of that when i was a kid because i was like oh it's like this solemn oh, moment dramatic. and you can see like the profile of his face and everything and now i'm like oh that would be really gross this for like disturbing. a lot of reasons yeah well because yeah, okay. i think with darth vader's death when they burn him, I think they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's like how all Jedi are like. They're that. That's what we do to all Jedi when they die." And I think, no, I think that's what they did with Darth Vader, and I don't think that's a universal thing. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I have. I don't know. <laughs> Presumably, I it, it is. Nobody to watch your. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that they just do in the original series that they just decide are part of it in the prequels. Now, yeah. Kind of like how in the original movie. Obi-Wan is just wearing gross old desert robes and they just decided that that is what the Jedi wear all the time. (laughs) Like, Yeah, that's true. That's really true. This costume design that was just meant to convey that he was a hobo and they were like, these are what all the Jedi wear. Qui-Gon Jinn does wear a poncho, like, the whole movie. Yeah, he's got, like, a drug rug. It rules. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But also, okay, so tying back into my big point that this movie just doesn't need to exist. Yeah. Like, at the end, they're just like, oh, the Trade Federation, we got you, fools. Like, you're done. Now you're in big you. trouble. You wanted to start a war, but you failed, and you're in big trouble now. You're going to have to go face the Senate for your war crimes or whatever. And it's like, hooray, everything's cool. And so you're like, okay, so why'd we even do this whole thing then? Like, if you're building to yeah. this really specific thing... Just, Why even do this? Just start 
with Obi-Wan teaching Anakin at his Padawan and be like, man, remember when we met in the desert? And maybe don't even right. do that. Maybe just have Obi-Wan have Anakin as a Padawan yeah. and like, I'll start, accept it. Start with Obi-Wan, like, teaching and he'd be like, I, you could even, like, bring it up in an expositional scene, be like, my, I didn't think you necessarily needed to be taught, but my master did. And when he died, I took on that responsibility. So that's why yeah. I feel it's so important for me to do that. If you just said that without having to see the whole thing, I think that would be pretty powerful. Like, yeah. I think that would work. And, like, if you just start with Anakin as, like, a teenager who's just, like, dark and scary, sort of, even though he's still, like, a good guy, you could just sense yeah. something's weird about him. Like, that's mm-hmm. a perfectly fine place to start a story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, get in, show up late and get out early. That's what they always say. Like, just, you don't, you don't need to do this whole movie. Yeah, you just, you just mm-hmm. didn't. You just didn't. And maybe, I mean, we wouldn't have Darth Maul, which is, uh, you know, maybe something we would have to consider. But we could well, we put him just, in we later. We would just put him in this one. We would yeah. just put him in this new movie. Sure. Kind of like how we put in the sand. Yeah, also this, yeah. Darth Maul <laughs> is also there when Obi-Wan cuts Anakin in half. Uh, <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe it could just be, I was about to say maybe it could just be Darth Maul instead of General Grievous, but General Grievous is even cooler than Darth Maul. General Grievous is so so. cool. General Grievous is so cool. Um, I'm excited to talk about Revenge of the Sith because I think that movie secretly kind of rips and (laughs) I want to watch it again and make sure it still holds up as much as I think it does, but (laughs) I think that movie might actually just secretly be super good. Um. Anyway, final thoughts on Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Did not need to exist. <laughs> it my my thought is it's a movie. Right. It is there. It's in the world. <laughs> we I like the it. music. We watched it. Nothing we could do about it now. <laughs> that, that, no, that's my final thought. Can't do anything <laughs> about it now. Well, that's life. <laughs> Say yep. lovey. Some, sometimes <laughs> things happen, and this sure was a thing. A thing that come did see, come so, <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> Shimon. Mama say, mama saw, mama who saw. Yes. Oh, and I also, I don't know. I don't know if I need to keep this in, but I also just think it's really smart because, like, we don't really spend a lot of time on Tatooine in the original movies. Yeah. And, like, it's this cool location that you see, like, two little parts of, and then you kind of leave. And it's like, I think it's just a smart storytelling decision to just be like, basically the first half of this movie, we're just going to hang out on Tatooine and like explore a bunch of the different zones and like just live in this space for a while that you love so much yeah. already. I think this that's a super that we've smart. established, but not really like been in. Yeah. It's like a really mm-hmm. satisfying story development. So, hey guys, do you want to hear a five-star review of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? Of course I do. I sure do. This review comes from Letterboxd.com and this person says, I had a dream I was a Jedi Knight, and I came back and I freed all the slaves, I type, with tears streaming down my face. (laughs) 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 Whose perspective is this from? (laughs) Anyway, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name is Ellen McMurray. And my name's Anna McGuire. And this is No Nerds Allowed. Phase two. And there are no nerds. So, wait, is it? Uh, who's typing it and crying? Is Somebody's it you, crying. Jackson? Somebody's typing and crying. I don't know. I plead the fifth. It was, it was me. <laughs> oh, it was me. I was typing.